You are listening to the End Time Podcast. We live in a time when there has been so much truth and so much deceit heralded as the Word of God. A time when the word prophet can stir so many controversial thoughts, heated conversations, and conflicted feelings. But Holy Scripture says to believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. This special series of episodes is a discussion around these thoughts and feelings. What makes a true prophet, and do they still exist? It is possible to tell the difference between the truth and the false. What is the characteristics of a true prophet and his prophecies? Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the End Time Podcast. We're happy to be back again and want to welcome everybody uh, who's with me here in the room, uh, Brother John, Brother Max, Brother Tito, and Brother Ed. Welcome. Our special guest in season two. I want to just bring your attention as we've been talking a lot about prophets and the pattern that's laid out in the scripture of prophets and what is a true prophet, a false prophet. How do you tell the difference? How do you begin to understand what a prophet does and how do you know when a prophet is from God and when he's under the right anointing and but I want I want to take this scripture to begin with as we've we've mentioned it before on the podcast and I think it's it's a really good scripture when dealing with prophets because it says in Amos chapter 3 surely the Lord God will do nothing but he revealeth his secrets unto his servants the prophets and it says in the next verse the lion hath roared and who will not fear the Lord God hath spoken who can but prophesy and I, and I want to just take a step back from that for a moment as we, we get our minds on this thought of the Lord will do nothing except he first reveals it to his servants, the prophets. And there's been many major events take place in the world. There's been many major happenings in, in the world that history would look at and history would record in one way or another. And God, when this scripture established his pattern... And nowhere are we given any indication that this pattern has ever changed. Regardless of the events that, that have happened down through history, God doesn't is not a reactionary God. God has laid out his pattern in the scripture saying, I won't do anything but first revealing it to my servants, the prophets. And he doesn't change that. And before any significant scriptural event, God always is seen speaking to a prophet. And for example, Noah before the flood, Abraham before the burning of Sodom and Gomorrah, Moses to deliver Israel, John the Baptist before Christ's first advent, Paul to the Gentiles, the two witnesses of the, of the, to the Jews in Revelations 11, and the list just goes on and on down through history of the times that before there's ever been a major spiritual event, God's always revealed himself first through a prophet. And what is what is happening and there's there's also been natural events that have coincided and, and there's there's been the rise and fall of, of kingdoms you could look down through history and you could look at great scientists that have risen up and visionaries that have come and they have gone but nothing in all of these events have ever been greater than the comings of the lord jesus christ and we we know and we can look scripturally and we can see in the gospels laid out the first coming of our lord nothing has really been greater than that 
up to the modern era that we live in and and that was such a great event and god first foran that he had john the baptist come and he spoke through john the baptist and remember we talked about there was a 400 year period where there was no prophets from malachi to john the baptist there there, there was no open vision it was a barren time spiritually but god first came with a prophet before he came the greatest event in history he has not and will not change his pattern as we talk about that 400 year period it's interesting because if you go back into the old testament before the 400 years before that dry period there was the last prophet which was malachi mm-hmm. in the scripture and we go right down to malachi chapter 4 it says and behold the day cometh verse 1 and shall burn that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them both neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. In the days that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb of all Israel, with the statutes and the judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So even here at the end, the very last verse of the end of the Old Testament, God begins to speak through a prophet and begins to show and say, there will be more times, there will be in the future times that I will reveal myself to my servants, the prophets. I will send Elijah the prophet before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And there has to be a turning of the hearts. And we've, we, we, we went into this in the last episode and the episode before that where we, we talked about this. There, there has to be a, a turning of the hearts. And we know the first half of that scripture was fulfilled by John the Baptist. As, as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ. Yeah. You can pick up um, a f- couple of verses in the Bible that would tell that. First of all, I would say... Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 17. The Bible says here, speaking of John, He shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, if you notice this, this is speaking again of John the Baptist. And the Holy Spirit here divides the prophecy of Malachi. It only speaks of the fathers to the children, showing John fulfilling that first part. John did not precede the great and dreadful day of the Lord, but he did precede the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. And so we we can see that there's two parts to Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. And part of that was fulfilled in John the Baptist. And, And there are other scriptures that go a little further into that. And, um, and maybe if we, we just would make reference to one of them, it would be in Matthew chapter 17, verses 10, 11, and 12. 
Brother Max, if you want to pick that up, just show us. Matthew chapter 17, uh, verse 10. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias is come already. And they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they lusted. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. And it's very interesting how he says in verse 11 that Elias truly shall first come. So he's he's speaking in a future tense there to say, Elias shall. And, and, and he goes in the very next statement where he says, and restore all things. Or restore all things. Now I could ask you, what did John the Baptist restore? Hmm. Nothing. He's just nothing. He <laughs> just fulfilled prophecy, and that was this. Yeah. Yeah. Was, he didn't restore any of the word. He was, didn't restore the church. He didn't restore anything. But there had to be a ministry of restoration. Yeah. This coming of Elias was not going to be a ministry of reformation. No. But a ministry of restoration in to John's, restore all things. In John's time, he was forerunning Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was coming as the fulfillment of the law. Mm -hmm. So now there was a New Testament to be opened, a new covenant to be opened. But now I'll just jump a little bit into it to say that when Jesus came, there was time in history that would precede Je or that would follow Jesus. Light was lost and restoration was needed. But in John's time, he was running up to the fulfillment of what the law was and the types he was forerunning Jesus Christ's first coming. So there would be something that might be needed after that. I just want to say, and if there, there is a restoration of all tents, then that means a certain tent must have been lost somewhere. Yeah. Or certain tents must have gone wrong somewhere. That's why there had to be a restoration. Well, that would bring us right back to Malachi chapter 4. Yeah. And verse 6 where it says that it, he has to turn the heart of the children to the fathers. Yeah. It speaks of a restoration children back to what the fathers used to have or used, used to, to be yeah so they but a new generation now is supposed to yeah. go back to the reason why jesus called uh john the baptist elijah was because the same spirit that was in elijah falls upon john the baptist as the spirit had come back upon elijah after the reign of king ahab to be more clear, the spirit that was in Elijah falls upon John the Baptist. In Malachi 4, it's prophesying again that there will be another coming of Elijah that will be again the spirit of Elijah will fall or, or come back upon another man. There'll be a scriptural precedent, Elijah, the spirit of Elijah. There was a double portion of that on Elisha. That spirit went on John the Baptist. There's room for it to repeat itself through scripture already. So if there's a truly Elias that shall first come to restore all things, mm -hmm. there's an Elias that must come to restore all things before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And even that scripture goes on then to say in verse 12 that, that Elias is come already. So is that he's talking about there's an Elias that is, is come already, which he's referring to John the Baptist, because now Jesus on the scene John the Baptist has come, he has done his, his work of forerunning, and is saying, it's come already. But name the chapter before, the, the verse before that, sorry, he's saying, there's one that shall come. So so there is, J Jesus here is, is differentiating, and he's literally referring to Malachi chapter 4, 
and he's differentiated mm -hmm. the two commons here. I would even take it then from Matthew 17 and go back to Matthew chapter 11. Because in Matthew chapter 11, verse 9, says about John, Jesus talking about John the Baptist, says, And what went you out to see? A prophet? He says, Yea, I say unto you, am more than a prophet. And he says in the next verse, verse 10, says, For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I will send my messenger before my face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. But John the Baptist himself would say, they would ask him if he's the Messiah or things, and he would say, well, no. Um, you know, and, and one thing he would state, he would say that I must decrease, but he must increase. The one that I'm forerunning is the point and the purpose. Mm -hmm. But I have a role that I must play. But now that he's on the scene, I have to decrease. He has to increase. If there's someone else to come before the end of all things, but to restore all things in this spot that we're in now today, recording this in 2022, if there's something that must happen before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, it's got to be like John the Baptist. Right. It's even as Jesus testifying, saying, you know, he was, he was more than a prophet. It was for a purpose. There was an attraction. In previous episodes, we spent a lot of time on Moses, on Elijah, on Jeremiah, Micaiah. We talked about John the Baptist. We're talking about John the Baptist again because he's so pertinent to this time. All of these men were an attraction at some time in history. And the attraction was for a purpose. It was to point to the Lord Jesus. It was to point to a spiritual event that was happening, something that God was doing and God was speaking to his prophets. And it was always at a time when, when the nation had forgot God, where the people had become formal, they'd become indifferent, where the priests went, had all went with the modern trend. They got out of the pattern of that God set and they went with the pattern that men set. And the prophets even begin to prophesy according to the will of the priests instead of according to the will of God, where really it becomes a collaboration. But in that day, when it becomes that way, in that day, as usual, they had one man that they thought was a fanatic. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about them. Moses was thought that way. Elijah was thought that way. Elisha was thought that way. Jeremiah was thought that way. Isaiah was thought that way. Micaiah was thought that way. John the Baptist was thought that way. All of these ones were thought to be a fanatic, to be some kind of an odd sort of guy that didn't care about the trend, didn't care about the collaboration, didn't care about what was happening in the, in the world of their day. They had a message from God, and it was seen as very odd. But it was an attraction to point that there was something fixing to happen. The thought that you brought, Brother Andrew, regarding the attraction, regarding how God will use the supernatural to identify uh, what he's doing, was, was brought forth in the scripture you read, where it would even declare the Son of Righteousness would arise with healing in his wings. Healing is a, a vindication that, that God is alive and that he's used. and. We witnessed in this last generation what many historians, Bible readers, writers would, would call the Great Healing Revival. It's a period of time identified from 1947 through to 1958. And there's, there's several writers that have mentioned that. David Edwin Harrell had a book uh, written, All Things Are Possible, speaking specifically on the healing and charismatic revivals in modern America. Gordon Lindsay had a book called A Man Sent from God. So 
the historians have looked at it and they've identified some great men that were used in these revivals and in these times. And and out of that, in in the book of David Edwin Harrell, he records two great, what he called two great giants. And he refers to Orr Roberts and he refers to William Branham. And, and, and it's interesting because as we were talking on a forerunner, there was an event that happened in the life of William Branham that was um, in 1933, on June 11th. William Branham at that point was a young Baptist preacher baptizing converts in the Ohio River before a crowd of approximately 4,000 people. He's about to baptize the 17th person, and all of a sudden a strange light came whirling down and hung over his head. And a voice spoke and said, As John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of the Lord, you are sent to forerun the second coming. Now, many can lay claim, but this was a supernatural vindication. And the account actually appeared in a local newspaper. So, so when you look at this thought of a forerunner, when you look at this thought of a pattern, and, and now we look back at John the Baptist coming to Jesus, but now the thought of restoration, the thought of the end time, the thought of the second coming of Jesus Christ, how will God reveal himself? Surely he'll do nothing except the prophets. So here, here is a supernatural event that happens that begins to draw our attention to something greater that God is doing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you can begin to look at some events that occurred through the healing revival and some great right. healings and many men used and begin to pick up these things. But as already identified, there was many men used but all of this was a sign, a rising of healings, but still somebody had to step into that role of Elijah, the anointing of Elijah, the prophet, to restore all things. Yeah. And what the historians are pointing to is, is a man named William Branham. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. And, it, and it's, it's interesting because it, it fits so well with talking of the scriptural examples we brought, how they were odd fellows, how they were you know, considered fanatical, you know, they did things. And I, I would say even of that, the the story of on the Ohio River and how that was even reported, wasn't it, uh, Brother Ed, that they, ministers in that day tried to convince them that that wasn't God? The, the, there, was, there was several remarkable signs within William Branham's ministry. He had a gift that many ministers, it was a gift of, of visions and dreams, and many ministers tried to dissuade him. And, and it was through that he began to seek God to deliver him from this. And he found himself one night in a cave. And uh, in May 7th, 1946, he's in a cave alone, and he's pleading to God. And he's saying, and he's telling God, he's saying, I, I, I don't want to be this. I, I want to be true. I want to be the one that, that you want me to be. And he has the most unique visitation that's been recorded and Edwin Harrell records it in his book and he talks about it and he says that William Branham noticed here as he's praying all of a sudden a ball of fire comes in the room and he heard someone walking in the room which startled him and it was a man who was about 200 pounds dressed in a white robe and of a pleasant countenance and seeing him uh, he said I was fearful as he began to speak and this has now been documented in the Full Gospel Businessman. It's been documented, but these are the words that this heavenly being spoke to him. 
Fear not, I am sent from the presence of Almighty God to tell you that your peculiar life, your misunderstood ways, have been to indicate that God has sent you to take a gift of divine healing to the people of the world. And if you will be sincere and get the people to believe you, nothing shall stand before your prayer, not even cancer. What what a, a testament. And the clergy of that day would often point back because what followed was not of man, but it was God vindicating that this was not just a man conjuring up things, but this was with signs following. And and it was a tremendous gift and 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 we can get into some of those things in the events, but um, there was there was some major public witnesses, um, a U.S. senator senator named Congressman Upshaw who had been in a wheelchair for over sixty years, came to one of William Branham's meetings, could not walk, and in the midst of those meetings, God used through the ministry of William Branham a powerful deliverance. He rose up and walked and stood and testified in the floors of Congress that God is a healer. So God was drawing attention to this ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and again, as the pattern would indicate, with, with healing arising in his wings. Right. So this is documented history. Right. And I want to I just go back to the cave for a moment because I want to draw a type back into 1 Kings chapter 19. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, talks about Elijah. Elijah had just prophesied, had just made a very public stance about Baal, about Jezebel, about what was going on in that day. And Jezebel puts a price on his head and he runs off to a cave mm-hmm. and begins to pray and really plead with God, scared for his life. Not much different than a man named William Branham who goes to a cave and says, all these ministers are telling me this is of the devil, are telling me this is wrong. And he begins to plead with God saying, Lord, I don't want to be this. And an angel comes down. And then when Elijah was in the cave, here comes an earthquake, a fire, a whirlwind. But he was waiting for that still, small voice. He was waiting for the Lord to speak to him. And when he went out of there, he went and called Elisha. But there, there is that exact same spirit again that we find. A, a man who's not willing to just go and take well the popular opinion of the day, but rather to run and say, Lord, what do you think about this? This is something that's beyond me. I, I can't stand this on my own. I can't do this on my own. But what is this to you? Yeah. Someone that's willing to stand odd, looks fanatical, but is willing to say, Lord, I'm willing to stand with what you want me to do. Mm. And the other key thing was he, they, when the angel of the Lord came, he began to describe it and show it to, to William Branham in the scripture what he was going through as we've laid it out in the past few episodes the pattern of a prophet as brother had mentioned that it was the son of righteousness arising with healing in his wings that's why it was more than just i'll say the healings in his wings was more than just one man though we look and we see the gift in brother branham of a prophet we see it had a a, 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 like a trickle down effect to different men there was oral roberts there was a billy graham there was uh, other ones that that we haven't mentioned but that had he- ministries of healing because that was the attraction mm-hmm. to attract people back again to the gospel 
to the truth. It was something that was pointing that there was a spiritual event, a great event fixing to happen, and God had sent his prophet to testify to it. You know, Brother Andrew, um, just as you're talking, you know, and, and in the book, All Things Are Possible, David Edwin Harrell, he writes, and, and he, you know, he, here's a man who he looked at all of the, the figures in all of this, and he comes to this conclusion. And these, the, the words he, he would use said, most of the participants in the healing revival, that's the other ones, that's the, the ones who are around watching all of this, he said, they looked upon Branham as the initiator. Right. They said, William Branham became a prophet to a generation. Night after night, before thousands of odd believers, he discerned the diseases of the sick and pronounced them healed. And he says, the power of a Branham service remains a legend unparalleled in the history of the charismatic movement. And then if, if I could just add to that, in the full gospel, men's voice, this is in a February 1961 edition. Thomas Nichol writes, in Bible days, there were men of God who were prophets and seers. But in all the sacred records, none of these had a greater ministry than of William Branham, a prophet and seer of God, whose photograph appears on the front cover of the issue of Full Gospel Men's Voice. It says, and he uses these words, Branham has been used of by God in the name of Jesus to raise the dead. And, and there are many, many instances of healings that are uh, in, incredible uh, going to the country of South Africa where you know thousands at one time were healed and, and mighty demonstrations. And I, I would say all of this, what was it doing? Was it, was it as if the pattern is true and God was drawing attention to this ministry for what purpose? Because mm -hmm. if the pattern is true, and if it's as John, and if it's as the visitation came, that he was a forerunner, all of this was being done to point us to something. Yeah. So we have to ask the question, if God would take such tremendous efforts to vindicate this ministry, what did this ministry say? Yeah. What did this ministry point to? Yeah. And, and that's that's a question maybe for another day, but this, this is... This is amazing when you can see this in the scriptural type. And, and to see God's pattern is never broken. And now particularly focusing not just on prophets, but on the forerunner and, and the fulfillment of Malachi 4, not just the first part of it, turning, turning the hearts of the children to the fathers, but again, turning the hearts of the children back to the faith of the, of the fathers. And, and if we could see that, we're living in a tremendous hour. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about in the book of Exodus how the pillar of fire led the children of Israel out by night, pillar of cloud by day. A lot of people, I think, reading that down through time, it's hard to put an appropriate image to that. It's hard to put an appropriate what that would look like, what it would seem like, what the color would it be? Would it be like a burning flame in a fireplace? Would it be like something uh, whirling around? What would it be like? You know, and, 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 but we had in our day that, that William Branham had 
it was in 1950 that he was there in uh, in Houston, Texas, in in January of 1950. That um, an amazing photograph was taken by the Douglas Studios. In the photograph, there appeared a, a light above the head of Brother Branham in a halo-like form, and that that this was a time. This was what was going on. Was there was a debate about divine healing going on at the Houston Coliseum. The man had asked Brother Branham to come down to to pray. He went down to just to close in prayer, said a few comments, and then, and then the presence of the Lord came in the building. and And the photogra- the photographers were there to take pictures of the debate. But when when William Branham came to the stage, they began to take pictures of him. When the when when they seen there was a visible light there, they took the picture, and when they developed the pictures, and, and all of the pictures came back blank except for one photo. And, and the negative of that one photo was taken to George J. Lacey, which is the examiner of question documents, in order to determine whether or not the light could have been a result of improper exposure, developing, or retouching. This investigation served to completely authenticate the fact that the unusual brightness was definitely caused by a light striking the negative. So there was a light on the picture? The light definitely struck the lens. So on the picture, then you're saying there was this light. There was this light above the head of William Branham. And and Mr. Lacey was quoted even in saying, Reverend Branham, you will die like all other mortals, but as long as there's a Christian civilization, your picture will live on. Mm -hmm. Not because of William Branham, but because of the supernatural light that was in the picture with him. That the pillar of fire was willing to come down and take its picture with a man. Yeah. And I'll just say, that's a pretty significant thing. It, we would consider it significant if somebody great wanted to take their picture with us. If we looked at the great men of today and they came to you and said, I just want to get a picture with you. What about if God in the form of a pillar of fire came and said, I'd like a picture with you. That, that's a whole nother level. The words don't really describe it. But that's what happened. Because God was showing, this is, this is my man. This is my prophet. This is the one I'm showing myself to. And I will do nothing but what I reveal it to my servants, the prophets. So if I'm doing anything today, it had to come to this man. So I would say there is a man that fits the pattern laid out in the scripture for a forerunner of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that man is William Branham. William Marion Branham. The life of William Branham, if, if, if you'd ever look into it, is, is filled with supernatural. Yes. And um, that that's something that we could get into another day, but in, in the order of where we are in the scriptures, and, and we take the scriptures, we know we're at the end time. And, you know, we there's things on the earth, there's prophecies in the book of Revelation, there's many things that are difficult to understand, but God makes it clear by his prophets. He not only draws attention to them, but once he draws attention to them, he brings a message from them. And the message in this case, as it's indicated in Malachi, is to prepare a people to turn their hearts 
back to God. And uh, if there's ever a generation that needs to have their heart turned back to God, it's this generation. Yeah. And so if, if God has promised it, my, I, I want to be looking for I want to be a part of it. Right. And and I, I feel like we we are in the end time, and, and there's too many signs that point to it. Yeah. But if, if it's the end time, it's the greatest time if, if these scriptures are, are before us as they are. Yeah. And it's like Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter... 17 that Elias truly will first come and restore all things right and if you look at the the ministry of William Branham he took the loose ends down through history and tied them together mm-hmm. it wasn't that everything he said nobody had ever thought of before but he took all the loose ends that, that nobody could put it all together and bring it all together Thank you so much for joining us today. We're we're happy to have you listening at the End Time Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at etpodcast at etmtab.com or follow us on Instagram at endtimepodcast. And stay tuned for more on this subject and to go into the, the, the depths and the truths of what was talked about and what was restored by the ministry of William Branham. God bless you.